0: Welcome to episode number 160 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, entrepreneur, all that good stuff here to help you and support you in living a better life and being a better human. That's what it's all about, right? We have to focus on being better humans and doing life better so we feel good about it and we build lives that we love and that we're proud of. And something, I had somebody talking to me the other day asking me how I come up with my episode topics, and not only coming up with the topics, but going into so much detail. And she was like, why do you explain things so thoroughly? <laughs> and, you know, here's the deal. I I want you to have insight and understanding about how it all works together, and Because the principles that we talk about, although my audience with this podcast is primarily people with addiction, right? I started as a life coach, like I've been a life coach for a 100 years. And the process for creating change in your life is pretty much the same regardless of what you're doing. In this particular arena, obviously, we talk about addiction and recovery. But when I talk about these thought processes, perspectives, cognitive errors, behaviors. When we talk about this stuff, I want you to be able to take these principles and utilize these principles in all the areas of your life. That's how we create real change as human beings. That's how we really grow and evolve and get better and then feel better. And then we treat the people around us better. So, I explain things in so much detail and I always try to give you also the behaviors, like what does it look like in regular life? Because I remember when I first got sober, like sitting in 12-step meetings, and they would talk about things, you know, the blanket statements, you know, the cliches and the one-liners in 12 steps, which I love. And when you understand them, they are really life-changing and and I love them, but say like one day at a time. And I would be like, okay, in theory, I get one day at a time, take it one day at a time, you know, don't future trip, like I get that. But What does that mean in my daily life? Like how do I practice in my behavior and thinking, how do I practice one day at a time? Like it didn't make sense to me. Just telling me one day at a time didn't solve all my problems. You know what I mean? So I go into detail because I want you to understand what it means and how to put it in practice in your daily life, that's what makes the difference. That's what changed my life. And when my sponsor said on one day at a time, I mean, I think I was a couple of years sober before I really got it. And my sponsor said to me one day, like I was, <laughs> I was opening a business and I was, oh, I didn't even have the keys yet. I had to go see my attorney that day, sign the paper and get the keys to the building. And I was already stressing about losing the business, having to let all my employees go and they're relying on me for a paycheck and they have families. Like I was way future tripping, right? And my sponsor says to me, like, he goes, "Um, have you taken your dog for a walk today? (laughs) And I was like, no. He goes, why don't you start there? He said, and then why don't you take a shower Maybe go to a meeting, get something to eat. He goes, and later today, your dog's going to want another walk. (laughs) And that's the conversation that really brought it together. What one day at a time means. Just focus on the things I need to do. Today. I don't need to think about next week or next year or whatever, or my future failures. Lord knows there will be plenty of them, but I don't need to spend my time today thinking about that stuff. So that's why I go into so much detail because I want you to have the insight and understanding about what things mean so you know how to go practice what we talk about in your daily life and get better and become. Um, the badass human that I know you are. The other thing I want to talk about, and we were talking about this the other day, you guys know on the Clubhouse app, I'm doing a thing called Sober Sunday. And my good friend, Brock Bevel, who was just on the podcast a while back, uh, Brock has his own podcast, Chase the Vase, awesome dude. Um, he is a former police officer, detective turned drug addict. He has a crazy story. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. It's amazing. His story is amazing. And he's awesome. So he is my co-pilot on the Clubhouse app. And we do this Sober Sunday. And we're just having really good conversation and just supporting and loving each other, right? That's it. It's just a place for recovery people. We talk about recovery stuff. It's that simple. And the Clubhouse app is pretty cool. If you are not familiar with it, it's audio only, right? So it's almost like live podcasting. So you just pop in the room and you listen and it's everybody talking about different things. There are rooms for every topic you could possibly imagine, but there's no video. When you enter The room, you're muted, you don't have to talk if you don't want to talk, you just listen. But it's a great way, it's like live podcasting. Like, if you have a question for me, I'm right there, and you can say, Hey, Angela, blah blah blah, and I'm sure I will have some answer because Lord knows I never run out of words. Okay, (laughs) so. That's on the Clubhouse app. I want you guys to really have an awareness that when you listen to any of us as podcasters, when you go to a 12-step meeting and you talk to people in the room, people are going to say things that you don't like. People are going to tell you to do things you don't want to do. But the thing I want you to have awareness about is I want you to remember that you are hearing people's opinions. What I talk about on my podcast is based on my experience, what has worked for me, and what I have seen work with thousands of people that I have helped over the course of years of my career. But they're still my opinions, right? So there's no reason to get really worked up about, oh, I went to a 12-step meeting and they told me I had to do this. That is that person's opinion. And I want you to really keep that in perspective because we all have opinions. And especially in any of the groups, right? I would assume church is no different. People are going to speak to you and tell you to do what worked for them and what they saw success with. When I do business coaching with people and marketing work, I coach them on what I had success with, because I know it can bring success. Keep that in mind. These are opinions. Nobody is telling you this is what you have to do. This is how you have to do it. This is carved in stone. There's no other way. Nobody's saying that. Just keep in mind, no matter who you're listening to or talking to, these are our opinions. Okay? That's what I want you to know. Uh, And speaking of Clubhouse, a minute ago, Clubhouse is updating all the time. As many of you know, it's only available for iPhone users in this moment. I keep hoping they're going to get it together and offer it for everybody. And I know they will at some point, but they are updating very quickly. New updates come out all the time. So I swear it has to be just around the corner that it will be open for Android also. But the newest update that just happened is as a as a person with a club, right? I have a club, and that's where I host Sober Sunday every week. as a person with a club, they have now given me a whole bunch of invites. So you used to have to go on, sign up, and you are on the wait list. and I've had people say the wait list has taken weeks, a month or more. Um, I don't know how all of that works. The other way to get in is to be invited by a friend if you know somebody who's already on Clubhouse, they can send you an invite. But now, because I have my own club, I have invites. And this has been one of the barriers to people coming to Sober Sunday is they can't get on the dang app. (laughs) So here we are. If you are in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group, I posted about this yesterday as soon as I found out about the update. And I've been sending people invites so they can jump in and be a part of Sober Sunday. So if you want to get into that, make sure get in the Addiction Unlimited group, the free group Addiction Unlimited on Facebook. Um, And we will continue talking about that, and certainly as Sober Sunday gets closer, I will be reminding people, and I have invitations that I can send. So come join us for Sober Sunday. It's actually really cool. People have loved it. We're getting great feedback about it. Okay, last thing, and then I will get into the top five ways to sabotage sobriety. Last thing is, remember, next week is our free five-day live training. I'm going to be live in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group Monday through Friday next week. Training, teaching, answering questions, all that good stuff. So again, another reason you want to jump in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group because that live training starts next week, Monday through Friday. And uh, we're going to have some special offers along with that too, uh, for the membership, for people that want to join the membership, because it hasn't been open for enrollment in a long time. So we're going to do all kinds of stuff and giveaways and all kinds of cool stuff. So get in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group. That's where all the magic happens. <laughs> that's or that's who knows about the magic first. I should say that. It all happens first in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group. And I will link to that in the show notes. Okay, are you ready to jump into this topic The top five ways to sabotage sobriety. Oh, you're going to love these. (laughs) Number one, this is what I put number one on this list is ego. And there's a reason I put this as number one, because we get, as human beings, we get so caught up in what other people think of us, how it will look to other people. And we do this with everything. This is not specific to sobriety, right? It's always what will other people think. Some of us are more vain than others. You know, (laughs) some of us, it might be appearance. Some of us, it might be material things. Some of us, it might be behavioral things. Um, I know I see this a lot in communities where people, where it is like family stuff. Oh my gosh, what will the neighbors say? You know, like I see I hear this a lot with interventions, right? When I work with families doing an intervention, they're always concerned if it's a their young child, like late teens, early 20s, whatever, it's always well, what will the neighbors think about us if they know? I haven't told anybody. And it, there's a lot of There's a lot of pieces of that that are troublesome, right, that will hold you back. It's another thing we talk about in entrepreneur world where people think that the fear of failure is what holds people back from taking action. It's actually the fear of judgment that holds people back from taking action. You know, doing something like a podcast where you're really putting yourself out there because you're opening yourself up to criticism also. And it will come. I got a review the other day that they said that I talk too much about myself. And I was like, well, duh, I have my own podcast. <laughs> yes, but I am working on that. Anyway, you're opening yourself up to criticism. And and I don't care how well adjusted you are. Criticism is going to hurt on some level. You have to be able to get through it. but. You don't want that fear to hold you back from really taking action and doing things in your life that are right for you, because that is ego stuff. Worrying about what other people think or what their acceptance of you will be, how they will judge you, what they will say about you, that's ego stuff. And it can be really, really damaging. And I, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast too about just emotional maturity and a lot of things that we work on are to become more emotionally mature emotional intelligence and I read this thing the other day it said it's a different level of maturity when the result you're trying to achieve is more important than how you look to the rest of the world or what they will think about your choices and I love that because that is it's it really is putting that ego on the back burner and going, okay, you know what, not everybody's going to love this, but this is what I have to do for me. I have to make this choice for my own well-being. And if that means I don't fit into the status quo, if that means I don't become a part of the herd, right, which I can't figure out why everybody is so eager to be a part of the herd, because it's kind of a mess, honestly. But if that means I'm not going to fit this cookie cutter little box of society's norms, well, then so be it. That's what I have to do because I have to be okay with me. I have to wake up with me every day for the rest of my life. You are the only person that you have to wake up with every day for the rest of your life. It is very important that you feel good about who you are how you're living, the choices you're making, and being authentic and really honoring yourself and who you are, regardless of if it's different than other people, if it doesn't look the same as what other people are doing, and they might have opinions about that. So that's number one really thinking about that ego piece and trying not to get so caught up in what other people will think because more people will have mad respect for you when you're really living your life well and doing a great job and your confidence shows you're more comfortable in your own skin. That's when you get mad respect from other people. So it all kind of works together, you know? I think too, there's like this sense of, my place in society, as we say in 12 steps, there's this sense of this is where I am and this is where I stand and this is what my peers think of me. And you want to uphold that, right? And there's almost a sense of superiority in that. And it's okay to just be who you are. It's okay to not fit the mold. Another great way to think about this and to tame (laughs) that ego piece is to listen more than you talk. When our ego is a little more in control than we would like it to be, (laughs) we get really caught in this pattern of wanting to be heard. And we forget to listen and understand the other person. We forget to see the other side because we get so caught up in, hear me, I want you to hear me, and it becomes more about being right and trying to, like, break down the other person into submission to just agree with you so your ego can feel like you won, you know, and that's not who we want to be, right? Right listen more than talk don't worry about being right be more considerate of the other person in the equation and and hear them like that's the kind of mature thing to do when you are really full of yourself you aren't able to see how much you're hurting the people around you you know and again this is an ego thing you don't see how when you're caught up in that trying to force people to hear you and you're not listening, it's no longer an exchange, right? It it becomes a monologue because you're just caught up in your side. And typically, they're just caught up in their side. But somebody has to stop that pattern. So You don't see how hurtful it is to the other person with the things that you say or your inability to listen. Not being able to listen is very condescending, dismissive, and superior. It's telling the other person that what I think and what I have to say is much more important than what you think or what you have to say. So I'm going to keep talking or I'm going to talk over you or I'm just going to break you down and wear you out going over and over and over until you agree with me because that's what I need to feel better, to feel like I won. See how crappy that is when you really start breaking it down? So do more listening than talking. Consider the other people in the equation. Don't worry about being right. If you're caught up in being right or winning the argument, everybody loses and When I stop and think like the other person on the other end of this conversation or fight or argument or disagreement, whatever you want to call it, when I stop and think like this is a person I care about, well, then I can get myself in check and be like, oh, damn, I care about this person. Of course, I want to listen. Let me shut up. Of course, I want to listen to them. I want them to feel better. I want to help them feel better in this situation. And I want to understand where they're coming from because there's probably some truth in it, you know? And that's another piece of it. Swallow your pride. Like take some criticism, you guys. We're not perfect. If somebody you love or care about or is close to you is giving you some feedback, even if they don't do it in a great way, pay attention to that because there's probably some truth in it. And that's feedback. That's a really great place to go. Oh, crap. I probably need to work on that. Let me figure that out. Let me Google how to be better about that. Number two, being secretive. You know how I feel about this. I did a whole episode about it, episode 128. <laughs> Are you being private about your recovery or being secretive? There's a huge, huge difference in being private about your details. And being secretive about your details. Those are very different things. When you are being secretive, when you are intentionally hiding something, it's because you don't feel good about it. It's because you feel some guilt or shame around that thing. So you don't want people to know. You don't want people to find out. You don't want them to know who you really are. That's secretive. That does not serve you. Secrets make you sick. If you think that there is something so horrible that you've done or said or who you are is so horrible that you can't share it with other people, there's a lot of shame in that. And that's the first thing that we got to figure out, right? You got to forgive yourself and have some self-awareness. But if you are being secretive and you are keeping your recovery hidden from other people, that is going to be problematic because you are not going to feel good about hiding something. You are not being authentic when you are hiding something. And I know you'll recognize the difference in this too, because listen, we all have things about our lives or our past or whatever that we don't share openly. I have pieces of my past that I don't shout from the rooftops. It's not a secret. I would never lie about it. I would never like say it didn't happen or whatever but there I am allowed to be private too <laughs> you know like I don't have to air every piece of my whole history to the whole world so there's the difference it's okay if you have circles in your life that you want to be private about your recovery. It's okay if you're in a stage of your recovery where you want it to be between you and your spouse or you and your closest family or closest friends, whatever. It's okay to be private. Being secretive has a whole different feel and, it, and is something being secretive means you will lie about it. Like I will lie to cover it up. If you ask me, did I do that? I will say no when I know that I did. And that's what creates that dissonance, right? We talk about dissonance all the time when your words and your actions don't match. So if I'm trying to change my life and be different and do things differently, it's not going to serve me to be secretive and lie about things because that's old That's not different. (laughs) That's what I did the whole time I was drinking. So if I want to be different, I have to do different. So I don't want to be secretive. It's okay to be private. You don't have to tell everybody everything. It's okay to protect your details. But it's not so great if you feel shameful about them and you want to hide it from people because you feel like if they know the truth about you, they won't like you anymore. They won't love you anymore. They'll leave you. That's the piece to work on, right? And being secretive. And secretive plays into that ego piece, right? Like we just talked about in number one, the ego, because you're so worried about what other people will think. But I'm telling you, it is so freeing when you let those things go, when you have some understanding that you did the best you could in the moment. And when I did the best I could in the moment, it wasn't very good for a long time. But that's all I had. I did the best I could with what I knew and with what the emotional maturity that I was working with at that time, which granted was probably that of about a five-year-old, but (laughs) I did the best I could. And working through a lot of that stuff is how I got to a place of self-forgiveness. So I didn't have shame around a lot of the choices that I made. I was a different person. I was not always somebody that I was proud of. But I don't want secretive behavior and my ego to block me from stepping into my true self and who I am today and sharing myself with others. I hope that makes sense. Okay. Next, lack of planning. Piss poor planning makes for piss poor results right? This is nothing new. We have heard this in some form our whole lives. You have to plan. You have to plan ahead. Know what's coming. Know what triggers are going to happen. Know what's going to be difficult. Just like in school, right? When you take a test, you have to study first. That's planning. When you have homework to do, you have to plan the time. And when are you going to do it? When is it going to fit best into your schedule? That's planning. And I want you to think about this too, In our drinking lives, we were incredible planners. Like I promise you, there were very few occasions I ever ran out of booze because I planned. When I was at the bar and they said last call, my brain immediately shifted into, okay, what are we doing when the bar closes? Do I have alcohol? Are people coming to my house? Do I need to leave early and go to the liquor store? That's planning. We did a great job of planning when we were drinking. So why all of a sudden do we not want to plan when we're in recovery, when we're getting sober? You have to know what can create a failure for you. And don't think of failure. I don't think of failure in a negative way. And I don't want you to either. Failure is feedback. If I screw something up, that's feedback. That's an opportunity for me to go, oh, okay, that didn't work. How could I have done that differently? How could I do that better next time? Did I not pay attention to something? Did I act too hastily? Was I not listening? Did I not do enough research? Like, It's just feedback. Failure is not the end of the world. It's not embarrassing. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's just whatever you were doing didn't work. That's okay. We got to figure out how to do it better. So it'll work next time. But you have to know what situations or people or things or places can cause failure and you have to plan around them. If you want to avoid failure, relapse, you have to understand what causes it. And plan around it. If your objective, and think about it this way, objective and risk, if your objective is to stay sober, then how high of a risk is this situation, that situation? If you want to be sober, then I would say, in the beginning, especially, you might not be able to go on the camping trip with all your drunk friends, right? You might need to sit out, Or you might not be able to go to the family reunion this summer because everybody's going to be drinking and you're already uncomfortable about it. you got to plan around that. I don't care if you fake a stomach bug. Do whatever you have to do. Maybe you go and you only go for 30 minutes. I don't know. But plan. Think about the risk of each situation and you plan around it so it doesn't put you in a position of failure. Plan. If you know you have times, you have a certain time of day, I call it the witching hour, right? For most people, it's like late afternoon, early evening, getting off work, going home, making dinner, dealing with kids. That's the witching hour for a lot of people, you know, having that glass of wine after work or having some wine while you cook dinner, whatever the thing is. If you know that's a challenging time for you, then plan ahead and put some other things in that time. Don't just walk into the lion's den and then be surprised when you fail. Like if you know this is a challenge, don't go there. (laughs) If you know the camping trip is going to be hard because everybody's going to be drinking and you're already thinking about it, then don't walk into the lion's den plan ahead do something different or if you're going to go ahead and walk into the lion's den plan ahead and have some tools to hopefully get you through it next oh my friends boredom 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 you know what i say about boredom it's what my sponsor said to me about boredom if you're being if you're bored you're being boring i love that because it is my responsibility to not be bored. <laughs> like, like, it's nobody else's responsibility to entertain me or to find things to entertain me. It's my responsibility to find ways to spend my time, find things that make me happy. And it's your responsibility to do that for yourself. It's so crazy to me how often I will hear people get stuck in this boredom trap And they're like at home, isolating, not connecting to anybody, not doing anything, watching Netflix for 100 hours a day. Well, yeah, you're going to be bored. But what is your expectation? Is your expectation that a bus full of really fun people show up at your door and invite themselves into your isolation den to entertain you? Because that doesn't make sense. It's my responsibility to entertain me or find things that entertain me or go to people that entertain me. I was reading about this too. Boredom is boredom is brutal, you guys. Like this is one of the most underestimated traps in sobriety. And that's why I put it on this list, top five ways to sabotage sobriety, because people will not even think about boredom, or they'll think of it like it's not a big deal, or I'll get through it, or I'll figure it out later or whatever. But this is where planning comes in. You got to plan. If you know you have a tendency to be bored, then you need to plan some things to do so you don't get bored. It's your responsibility. And I was reading about this. Hang on, let me look this up really quick, okay, because I have it in my show notes for this show. Okay, chronic boredom is associated with impulsivity and risky behavior, including careless driving, compulsive gambling, drug and alcohol abuse, reckless thrill-seeking, and other self-destructive behaviors. People who are bored are susceptible to depression, anxiety, anger, academic failure, poor work performance, loneliness, and isolation does that just sum us up as a whole? (laughs) I mean, that is everything right there. Now, I did not know this was actually a clinical issue. I thought it was just a um, sober people get bored easy issue. But apparently this is a real issue in the world. So I want you to think about this. Don't let yourself get bored. Don't let yourself fall into that trap. Again, if you know on the weekends, you get bored. Don't walk into the lion's den unarmed, okay? Figure some things out. Figure some things out to do. Make some plans. Go have coffee with some people. Go to a movie. Go to the gym. Go for a run. Go go to a meetup. I always tell you about meetup. Go do that. Learn something online. You know, you can go on YouTube and learn anything on the planet that you have an interest in. If you're interested in sloths, then Google it. Go on YouTube and search cute sloth videos. You'll be entertained for days. It really can be that simple. But plan ahead. Understand you have a risky situation coming. You know you get bored on the weekends. And don't walk into the lion's den unarmed. Do something. Take action and create some things so you don't sit around and get bored and isolate and then just complain about it while you're not taking any action. That's who we don't want to be. Okay, last one, doing it on your own. Another one you hear me talk about a lot. Now again, I'm going to go back to being secretive and private. When I talk about doing it on your own, Again, I don't mean that you need to shout sobriety, alcoholism, recovery, whatever from the rooftops and you've got to tell everybody in your neighborhood and like from now on as you introduce yourself, you go, hi, I'm an alcoholic. I'm not saying that. Don't be silly, okay? What I'm saying is you have to have a tribe. You have to have some people that are on your team. You have to have some people that love you And give you a sense of acceptance and safety in this decision you're making. And you need some of those people in your real life, right? You need some people to be on your journey with you. Of course, you can get it with us. Of course, in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group, you can get a ton of support and connect with people and be open and honest and authentic. And that's what we're there for. And we have a phenomenal group of people. There is so much love and support and kindness and celebration in that group. I'm so crazy proud of it. So yes, you can have that as your tribe. I also think it's very important to have some people in real life who are close to you, who can support you on this journey. And I love this, one of my clients who also did a podcast with me a while back, she's amazing, and she had her best friend who she told when she was doing this and going through this, right? And the beauty of this is not only was she connected and being authentic and honest and open with her friend about what was really going on with her, not letting her ego get in the way and fearing judgment, But she also was planning because she knew she had this time of boredom, a little trigger time on her drive home from work, getting ready, you know, leaving the stress of the day of work and going into the stress of family, right, and young kids. So she planned with her friend to have a phone call. And I think it was like every Friday on her way home from work, she would call her friend and they would just connect. And her friend was not a person in recovery. It was just her friend. But you see how that one little tiny thing hit all of these top five ways to sabotage sobriety. It counteracts all of them. Just that one thing. Don't do it on your own, you guys. If everybody could do it alone, everybody would. And no podcasts would exist and no support groups would exist and no treatment centers would exist. If we could do it alone, we would. But as human beings, we are made to connect. It's not natural for us to try to do things alone. We are pack animals. So we have to have a pack. It's just that simple. That's how we feel our best is when we are connected and giving of ourselves, giving love and receiving love. Do that with yourself. So again, she put her ego on the back burner. She came clean, right? She wasn't being secretive. She came clean to her friend. Hey, listen, this is what's going on in my life. I've been drinking in a way that does not make me feel good about myself. It's not serving me or my life or my family. I'm not proud of who I've become in this drinking relationship, so I'm giving it up. Then she planned ahead. Can we have a call every week on my drive home? Because she didn't want to be in that boredom situation, letting it nag at her in a trigger situation, and she doesn't want to be by herself. That's it, you guys. It's that simple. She planned one phone call and it knocked out all five of these things. Now, you know, only doing something once a week is not going to be <laughs> probably sufficient. So think about, but I want you to see that it's just these little things. So think about what are some little things. These are little things. It doesn't have to be super time consuming or take your whole day or take all of your thought process. But what are some little things you can do to counteract these top five ways to sabotage sobriety? Ego secretive, lack of planning, boredom, and trying to do it on your own. Those are the five. I hope you loved this episode. If you did find some value in this episode and you thought something I said was fantastic or even mildly good, (laughs) share this episode with somebody. Be of service. Be service-minded. Send a text to somebody you love that you haven't talked to in a while. Compliment a stranger, whatever it takes. Let's be service-minded and think about how we can help one another and support one another in this crazy journey. And again, if you want to join us on the Clubhouse app for Sober Sunday, get in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group, and I will be giving out invitations to jump in that. And the five-day training starts next week, also in the Facebook group. I hope to see you there. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I will see you next week.